to the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. We are your hosts. I am Nate Endries, hosting alongside Jake Deemer, and as promised, we have our league champion for 2021, Nick, the manager of the Pine Run Market, joining us. So uh, first, Jake, I'll ask you, how are you doing? I feel like I have to keep checking in with you since it's been, we're taking these two-week intervals, intervals between episodes. Yeah, it does feel like it's been a long time since we've done one of these, but it's also been a long time since I've uh, had competitive fantasy baseball. I've, I lost my worst ball uh, semifinal. That was the last league I was in. I'm uh, coming up empty this year on everything. Yeah, you're coming up empty. I'm coming up empty. But there's one guy here that did not come up empty uh, across the board, and that's Nick. Nick, how you feeling after your first the the official wrap up of your first ever fantasy baseball season? Feeling good. It was uh, very satisfying. But uh, it being mixed in with fantasy football and taking some losses with that over the weekend, I know this means way more as far as compared to just a weekly head-to-head matchup or a weekly matchup in the regular season of football. But it didn't – I don't know. I feel good. I'll just leave it at that. I mean, I should feel good, and yeah. How does it feel to be the – to get one up on the Vegas Golden Knights as the best expansion team? Oh, yeah. Uh, I didn't even think about that. (laughs) It feels even better. Yeah, not only did Nick one-up the Vegas Golden Knights to be the best expansion team, but Nick actually played in a second league for baseball this year. He jumped into two leagues, you know, dove headfirst into baseball for the first time this year, and that was the Dynasty League that I started up that some of you guys play in. Um, But for those of you that don't, Nick actually made the championship in that league as well. Um, Unfortunately, him and Eddie, who co-managed a team there, Fell short in the championship matchup, but you definitely can't complain. Uh, Two top two finishes, one of them being a championship in your first year, Nick. And for Eddie, too, shout out to him. A top two finish and one out of his two leagues for the first year that he ever played baseball. So uh, glad that you guys are, I would assume, based on the success that you've had, that you've enjoyed baseball. So I'm glad that you have kind of fully embraced baseball, and I'm glad that Obviously, you reap the the rewards of putting a lot of time and effort into it. So let's let's jump into our final episode of the season. This is episode 24. So, man, it has been a marathon of a season. Um, This is about twice as many episodes as Eddie and I have produced or in total for our football podcast, not just, you know, last season, but in total, the amount of episodes that we've put out for our BPW fantasy football league. I think it's just now like 14 or 15. So we've basically put out twice the amount of content for just one baseball season as we have for like a season and a quarter of fantasy football, which is pretty crazy, but that just goes to show you how long the baseball season is. Let's talk about our championship round recap. Let's start with the title matchup itself. Nick versus Mike. We had a final score of Nick really crushing Mike, uh, beating him by over 100 points. The score was 642.6 points uh, from Nick, and then Mike scored 531.2. So, Nick, I'll let you kick us off since you were the guy that uh, brought home the gold. What was your debrief of this matchup? Um, I mean, it started early. I think it was towards the end of week one where I had back-to-back nights of complete games from Max Fried and then my main man, Ranger Suarez, just dealing on the mound. Uh, And so actually like that was kind of like why at this point, sorry, my daughter's outside the door making noise. 
But uh, that's why at this point where I said, like, I'm feeling good, but it wasn't the most exciting, like, championship I've ever won just because early on in the second week, I felt pretty confident that I was going to win or it would take something drastic for me not to win. It's not like a fantasy football championship where it's, like, so emotional all in one day, maybe two days, and you just – everyone's watching the ups and downs of the day. Um, But I will say that it was the most satisfying because of the length of the season, the amount of uh, learning I had to do fast uh, to try to, I guess, surprisingly be competitive. I didn't really anticipate being as competitive as what it turned out to be. Um, But I I really enjoy baseball a lot. There's a lot of things that you kind of have to do to be successful that I really like, just kind of like daily habits that I mentioned and uh, last week's episode of, you know, being active on the waiver wire, watching guys uh, as far as trying to catch guys when they're hot and dealing them at the right time. And that sort of thing where it's like the small things make a big difference over time um, are things that I really enjoy uh, focusing on. So I know that was a little bit more than just specifically about the matchup, but that just kind of encap- yeah, that encompasses just my thoughts with fantasy baseball in general. I really, I really enjoy it, even though I like football, the sport more. I think fantasy wise, I like baseball a little bit more uh, as of now. Sure. That's a, it's a good summary, uh, especially for, from a fresh perspective, this being your first season participating in it, participating in it. Jake, before I ask you for your thoughts on the matchup, I did want to work this in just because I, I saw the final line on this guy's season and it's a guy that, heavily played into Nick's success in this championship round, Ranger Suarez, who he did mention. Jake, he finished with 107 strikeouts, over 106 innings pitched. Uh, He started the year as a reliever, as a speculative speculative closer. Then he did actually take the closer role for a little bit with the Phillies. And then he was moved to the rotation after being the closer. And he ended the year with 106 innings pitched, which is not typically a lot. But coming off of a 60-game season, I would say it's quite a lot. Um, And the crazy part is he finished the season with a 136 ERA, a 1.000 whip, so just one walk or hit per inning flat. Um, And like I said earlier, over a strikeout per inning. And this guy is going to have SPARP eligibility next year. So, Jake, you're the pitching guru. You're the guy that is known as, you know, when you have a really good team, Usually your pitching is leading the way. Is Ranger Suarez going to be, you know, I'm putting you on the spot, but do you think he's going to be high up on your draft board going into next year? And then once you finish giving me that answer, you can kind of give us your debrief of the championship matchup as well. Yeah, he's really interesting because there was really not any time that he was out there where he really hurt you. I mean, he wasn't going super deep into games, but he really didn't have any blow up performances. And I I don't know. I haven't, I I originally didn't give him a whole lot of, uh, I guess I I didn't really think too much of him, but he's kind of opened my eyes a little bit that may, especially if he has spark eligibility, I didn't know he was going to have that going into next year, but. Be next year's Carlos Rodon. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty big. He, he might be legit. I haven't, I haven't really, I, I won't dive deep into him until, over the off season when I actually do my uh, like my rankings for next year, but he basically like turned into Degrom without striking out a million people. Well, I'll tell you this: over his last five starts of the season, he delivered five quality starts, 
no more than one walk in each of those starts, and at least five strikeouts in every start, with actually three of them delivering seven or more strikeouts. So he gave you volume, he gave you strikeouts, gave you low you know, proportion of men on base. He was basically an ace for Nick for the last month of the season, and he came out of nowhere. Yeah, he was absolutely an ace. I, I can tell you wholeheartedly I did not see it coming. And I, I, I haven't really dug very deep into his repertoire, so like I, I'm, I don't know off the top of my head what his pitch mix is or anything like that, so I can't really, I can't really say if I think it's legit or not, but he certainly looked legit over the last uh, month or two. And uh, he, I, he absolutely is, is the playoff MVP, uh, championship MVP for this matchup. Because he, uh, he delivered more, more points than Mike's entire bullpen. And it was like over twice as many points as Mike's entire bullpen over the entire course of the matchup. Yeah, that was my, that was my big takeaway from the matchup too, is that, uh, it, kind of what sunk Mike is exactly what we thought would sink him because he only got over the course of two weeks, he only got 33 and a half points over his, from his bullpen. And uh, I know that that might not have swung the matchup, but it certainly would have made it a lot closer if he would have gotten, if he would have gotten more than that. Sure. Yeah. For me, I'm somewhat disappointed in the outcome of this matchup since I was rooting for big, for the big money, Mike tattoo, which he said that he would get. And I totally believe that he would have, if he had taken home the championship this year. Uh, but there is no question about it that Nick deserved to win the title this year. He has been so far and away the best team during the entirety of our playoffs, uh, that the next best team hasn't even come close to his level of production in terms of total points scored from the start of our playoffs uh, through the conclusion of the championship round. There are so many ways to kind of recap this with, you know, it being a two week period, there being some lineup changes from week one to week two. But since I knew the two of you would also be sharing your matchup breakdowns, I kind of just stuck to recapping the performance of my X factor picks from last episode, which were Carlos Rodon and Brandon Woodruff. Uh, So Carlos Rodon He scored 28 points total during the matchup, which is pretty good. But he did actually end up getting one start skipped, which I thought might happen back when I dubbed him as Nick's X-Factor player. Ultimately, it obviously did not matter because he could have scored zero for two weeks straight and Nick still would have won by nearly 100 points. Um, And then looking at Brandon Woodruff from Mike's team, he only managed 21 and a half points through the two-week matchup period which obviously didn't kill Mike, but he needed Woodruff to be an absolute ace, kind of like a Ranger Suarez was for Nick during this matchup to keep it close, and Woodruff simply could not manage that. Um, Ultimately, you can't feel bad if you're Mike. A top two finish is great, especially when he's never been to the championship before, so that's exciting for him. I know it stings to lose in the championship. I've been there myself. Jake's been there. Um, But ultimately, you you kind of just have to reflect on what you, what you were able to accomplish as a player and a top two finish in a competitive league is great. Um, but again, congratulations to Nick on a successful first ever season playing fantasy baseball. Literally could not have gone better for him. So, Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Jerwin and Sam, our third and fourth place matchup. That was the other one that took place over this championship round, and we don't want to forget or just gloss over that. So the final score there, Jerwin edged out Sam uh, with a score of 429.6 to Sam's 386. 
So I believe, Jake, correct me if I'm wrong, I didn't go into the league history document, but this is Jerwin's first ever top three finish. Yes. Yeah, this is, this, this is the highest he's finished. Yeah, so this is some major turnover at the top. We have, obviously, Nick. This is his first year in the league, so first ever top three finish for him. Jerwin's first ever top three finish. I don't think that Mike has been in the top three before either. Uh, he was third last year. Okay, so this is uh, Mike's second top three performance, but obviously just mentioned it was his first championship appearance. So some turnover at the top, which is good for kind of the overall league morale. I'll lead off with my analysis of the third place matchup. It was surprisingly somewhat close since I know Sam wasn't fielding a full lineup for the entirety of the matchup, but still he managed to lose by no more than 50 points. Um and it was an interesting choice for Sam to forego the $25 payout that comes with third place and attempt to secure a higher draft pick since he now, of course, has the best odds at the number one overall draft pick after finishing in fourth place. And we'll actually reveal those odds here shortly. Ultimately, Trey Turner in particular basically took home a top three finish for Jerwin by putting up 76.2 points all by himself. And by the way... We're talking about Ranger Suarez and how, you know where he might go in next year's draft. This guy, Trey Turner, is eligible to be kept at the 10th overall pick, which is the pick that Jerwin has now, finishing in third place. And he's going to be the second baseman for the Los Angeles Dodgers. That's huge. Um, I would be shocked if Jerwin didn't keep him there. And that's a great way to end your season if you're Jerwin, who you know, just only a month ago, or I should say a little bit over a month ago, didn't even know if he was going to make it into the playoffs for sure during the last week of our regular season. He had to seal that win, punch his own ticket, and uh, now here he is finishing in the top three, which I don't think any of us expected. And on the other side of the matchup, as for Sam's team, look out because this is a uh, we've talked about it already. This is probably the best keeper pool in the league moving forward, at least into next season. Uh, Jake, I'll kick it over to you. Yeah, so I had a couple of takeaways from this matchup, mostly with regards to next year. Uh, one of them you already mentioned, Trey Turner is a very good keep for Jerwin at the 10th overall pick, especially being second base eligible. Uh, he's been great since he's been on the Dodgers, and it's a better lineup than the Nationals had. He should get much more, or he should have more counting stats. And uh, the second base eligibility, he should easily take home the uh, top overall second baseman. Uh, another takeaway that I had is uh, I'm very upset that I gave up Corey Seager. He's he might be my favorite player just because I've had him in so many leagues for so many years, and uh, he looks like he's the same guy that I thought he was heading into this year. And uh, I'm disappointed that guy's not on my team anymore. I mean, uh, Hendricks and Springer not doing so well for me uh, kind of helps shape that opinion. But yeah, sad about Corey Seager. He should be a good one for. Other one is I'm really excited to uh, to look at. Is it? I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Is it Tanner Tanner Hawk for the? Yeah, I think it's I think it's Hawk. Hawk. Tanner so. Hawk is someone I'm really excited about to look into next year. Um, I don't know if he's keeper eligible or not, but he looks like a right-handed Chris Sale, and uh, I'm I'm excited to dig deeper into him. I think he'll be one of my bigger breakouts heading into next year. Hey, I have to say that Marcus Simeon's actually the number one second baseman. 10 points ahead of Trey Turner. I think he's talking about for 2022. Yeah, I was saying they're next year. Oh, I thought he meant since he just gained second base eligibility at the end of this season. 
that he was. No, I was talking about heading into next year. Yeah, he would be an easy keep for Jaron. He's a stud. Nick, did you have any thoughts to share on this third place matchup? Uh, no, I was disappointed to see Sam didn't field a full lineup. Uh, it's, yeah, I'm always under the mindset to compete rather than better odds to move up in the draft. So, which is interesting, right? Because sure, you're getting a better player if you pick higher, but it's a snake draft. So, yeah, I mean, I just picked from the 12th spot this past year and I won. Though it wasn't my draft that won it either. So, yeah. Uh, one more takeaway I had is that, uh, and this is not going to be news to anybody, uh, Corbin Burns, man, is just the, I think he's easily the, uh, with the, especially with the question marks around Carlos Rodon, I think he's the best keeper heading into next year. Dude is legit. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I don't think there's mm-hmm. much of a question. Um, But that brings us into our final standings reveal. And with this, I will also let you know either A, where people are picking, or B, what their odds are um, for the draft lottery system, which we're actually going to do live at the end of the episode. So that should be be, uh, quite a bit of fun. So starting at the top, we had our champion, Pine Run Market, Nick. He will be picking 12th, same spot as he did this past year. Second place, the runner-up is Big Money Mike. He will be picking out of the 11th spot. Uh, Team Positivity finished in third place. Jerwin will be picking out of the 10th spot. Um, kind of in large part to Sam not actually playing a lineup. Sam was our fourth place team, weak pullout hitter, and he gets the highest odds at the number one pick or the highest odds into the draft lottery system with 20%, so he'll get 20 you know, ping pong balls to go into the proverbial bubble. And then our next four teams, they were the rest of the playoff teams that did not make it to the semifinal round. They will all have 13% odds in order. Jake finished fifth place, Jake's fantasy baseball team, team C, Deemer, Courtney in sixth, uh, me, number one contender in seventh, JC, hashtag $50 by 2022 in eighth. And basically the way that we did that was, you know, if you got eliminated in the first round, we just went by regular season record at that point. Ultimately it didn't really matter just because everyone gets the same odds at that point. So just semantics, uh, the ninth place team, the Sotola shuffle, Brendan, um, 10th place was pretty petite princesses. Jordan's team 11th was gone forever. That's Eddie. And then in 12th place, our manager that came in midway through the year to replace Andrew Baum, Scott, whose team is Team No Name, those four teams all got 7% odds. So may sound a little wonky if you aren't familiar with our format, but basically we try to disincentivize tanking. So the higher you finish, aside from the top three, the higher odds you'll get in an early pick. That's basically the way that we do it. Jake, I'm going to kick it over to you for payouts. All right, so this year we had $300 in entry fees. That's just 25 times 12. Uh, But we did have a record $130 in trade fees. So our pot is $430. And the payouts are for the the champion, Nick gets $262. Uh, Mike gets, is the runner-up, he gets $112.50. Jerwin did not have any trade fees, so he gets his entry fee back, which is just $25. Uh, Then we have a $10 uh, bonus for best regular season record. 
I got that one. That one's $10. Uh, the top offense was, get, was Courtney. So she gets $10. That one was really close. Uh, and then top pitching staff, I took home that one. So that was another $10 for me. So even when they lose, they win. The uh, Deemers were able to recoup one of their league buy-in entry fees plus a little bit more. <laughs> and if you're wondering, I mean, I guess Jake already broke it down from the start, why the champion and runner-up payouts are so damn high compared to what they've been in the past. Jake, I think you shared with me what the exact number was, but how many trade fees did Nick and Mike rack up themselves to add to the pot? Do you know off the top of your head? No, but if you give me like 10 seconds, I can pull it up. I would bet that it's over a hundred dollars, but that's, that's why our payout is so high this year is because obviously we had a record in trade fees contributing to the pot. So it was, it was a hundred dollars on the nose. There you go. Well, it's good for their sake, right? That they were the top two. They were able to kind of recoup, not kind of, they did recoup their trade fees through the winnings. Um, but let's kind of look at the season as a whole in review, moving into a, uh, a, portion of the episode called the 2021 review and we're going to start with some player awards so let's we have four of them to divvy out and we're going to start with best free agent or waiver ad um nick i'll ask you first who was in your opinion the best free agent or waiver ad this season i chose one for uh hitting and one for pitching I chose Cedric Mullins for hitting and Eddie added him way back in early April and he ended up finishing the season as a number one center fielder. Uh, and he was pretty much on Eddie's team the entire entirety of the season up until trade deadline day where I made a deal and acquired him. And then I initially for pitching chose uh, Adam Wainwright because he is a top 10 pitcher, number nine overall, who I acquired and dropped and then acquired again early in the season. But then I was looking through the list and I realized Robbie Ray is actually a better candidate for that. Since I think he was, uh, I think he was in top five starting pitcher on the season. He was also a waiver wire ad as well. So he'd be, he'd be a better fit for that. Yeah. I'll jump on right there and echo what you said. I was actually considering Adam Wainwright myself, but I just couldn't ignore the fact that Robbie Ray has quote unquote done it better. He finished a few spots higher than Robbie Ray or than Adam Wainwright in the overall standings. You're right that Robbie Ray was a top five starting pitcher on the season. He finished at the number four overall starting pitcher, and Wainwright was number nine. So uh, yeah, that is the guy that was my best free agent or waiver ad, the AL Cy Young candidate that went completely undrafted. Uh, Jake, who is your best free agent or waiver ad this season? Yeah, it's definitely got to be Robbie Ray. I mean, you said Cy Young candidate. He might win. There's a good chance he wins the Cy Young, and he just is the Cy Young winner. Uh, he, this is what it looks like when he uh, when he throws strikes, I guess, because uh, that was always the big problem for Robbie Gray was he couldn't hit the, the ocean from the beach, but, and uh, he figured out how to do that and kind of changed his pitch mix a little bit, and, man, did it work wonders. This is the, the best version we've seen of Robbie Ray. I know he had a – kind of had a mini breakout back in 2017, but yeah, this is definitely a, definitely a big step up from that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Jake, why don't you turn around and give us your best draft pick? That was, that's our second player award. Yes. Yeah, so this is an easy one for me. This is Carlos Rodon. And this is, this is a pick that kind of made me take a hard look at my own draft process because I'll be honest, Carlos Rodon was not somebody that was even on my radar 
I know that he probably wasn't on a lot of people's radars. He was drafted in the he wasn't even on my radar, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> but like that, the more that I look at his breakout, I kind of think to myself, like, why was he not on my radar at all? Why was I? Why was he? I, I, my rankings, I, I think, are like hundreds of, or like over hundreds deep, and he wasn't. I didn't even have him ranked. Like, why did I not have him ranked? Because he kind of was showing some signs of, okay, maybe this is a breakout. The velocity spike we saw in spring training, and it wasn't just like a mini spike where it was one or two miles an hour. The guy, his his fastball was like five miles an hour faster than we've ever seen it before. And it, that, when that happens, that makes your other stuff up. And uh, it just, it, it all came together for him this year. Uh, the health is definitely a question for him going forward. That's why I, I said earlier, I think Burns is kind of going to be the better keeper going into next year. Uh, Rodon is also a free agent, so we don't know, we won't know his landing spot. But for this year, for sure, Rodon would have provided the most value out of the, out of a draft pick. Because you're, not only was he a SP1 for most of the year, you could get that out of your relief pitcher spot. And that's probably the most valuable player to have in fantasy. Nick, I'll let you jump in here. Sure, that's fair. I won't talk about my guy, uh, and I didn't pick him. I wanted to highlight uh, Jerowin's draft pick in the 26th round, which came a little bit later. I think it was the second to last pick in Jesse Winker. Uh, I, I, he's an honorable mention to me just because of the way the season finished for him, he ended up on the IL, so he couldn't help Jerowin the time that mattered most. So I actually wanted to jump way forward in the draft in round four, and that's your pick, Jake, of Vlad Guerrero. I mean, he's not only the top hitter, he's a top overall fantasy player in our points league uh, format, scoring uh, more than even uh, the top pitcher, Zach Wheeler. And if you can get the top player in round four, because um, you didn't keep him, right? Uh, he did he, in the expansion. Was my draft. pick in the keeper expansion. Oh, draft. shoot, man. Well, now I feel. I'll well, you could, you could just use him for your next answer if you want. Yeah, though I I, I kind of like we're all going to say the same. We're all going to say the same <laughs> guy. So you could pivot and talk about Vlad. Yeah, yeah, I'll pivot and talk about Vlad more. But uh, man, I was thinking he, he did draft him in the fourth round, and I thought that was terrific. But not as not as good anymore, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my best pick is this best draft pick is the same as Jake's pick, and the same as if Jake didn't take it away from Nick, it's Carlos Rodon, the number one Sparp drafted in the very last round of our draft. You just can't beat that value. Um, and I kept my analysis brief for all of these because I think the player awards, there's not much to be said, right? Like the, the studs are the studs. Our last award you'll you'll hear is going to some duds. The duds are the duds. So I will lead us off with the next award. It's best keeper, and we're looking back at this past year. So coming into this season, who was the best keeper? And... I would be shocked if we didn't all have the same opinion that it was Corbin Burns for sure. He is an NL Cy Young candidate and a top 10 overall starting pitcher who was kept in the 17th round. So that is my pick. Uh, Jake, I'm guessing you're going to echo what I'm going to say so, or what I just said. So I'll toss it to you next. Yeah. Corbin Burns is definitely the guy for me. Uh, I will give a shout out to Zach Wheeler. I think he was kept in the, I want to say the eighth round. Uh, and he finished as the top overall pitcher and the second overall player, but uh, the discount with Burns was just so much better. And on a points per game basis, Burns was actually better than Wheeler was. Nick, tell us why Vlad was actually the best keeper. 
Well, he's not, but uh, I mean, when you can keep the number one overall player in the fourth round uh, and he had such, uh, such a big bang for with his bat at the beginning of the year and it kind of studied off for a bit, but still, I mean, he showed value throughout the entirety of the year. Like even I believe, cause I had him in the dynasty, even when he had his cold streaks, they were, they really didn't all feel all that cold. Like you can still plug and play him without thinking about it. It wasn't like show, Hey, Otani where I've had him. Uh, like the past three to four weeks, it felt like he could go pretty much scoreless throughout a matchup, but then he could help out a little bit. But uh, Vlad was kind of always a nice anchor in anyone's lineup and Jake had him and get him in the fourth pick, the number one guy. That's a lot of value. If I can make one more note, the fake but not really Corbin Burns versus Jerwin feud that was probably my favorite outside of the podcast, my favorite like extracurricular thing that happened this year. Yeah, it was entertaining. Glad, glad that we got some uh, journalism going this year. So the very last player award that we have is worst draft pick. I promise you that we would get to the duds, and I'm going to lead us off by eating oh. some humble pie. Okay, okay, good, because I don't want you to take mine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat some humble pie here and say, no question about it, uh, Zach, please, Zach was the worst pick of the entire draft. And I say that that I am eating humble pie and not Brendan, because Brendan's the one that made that pick. But I'm eating humble pie. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, because we're going to talk about it here shortly. But I said that Zach Wheeler was going to have a great year. And maybe that influenced Brendan to take him inside of the top 24 overall, which I feel really bad about, because Zach Wheeler did not even finish in Zach, the top Zach, 80. Please, Zach. Zach, please, Zach. Sorry. Zach Plezak did not even finish inside the top 80 overall starting pitchers. So that is by far the worst pick of the draft for me. Uh, Nick, who are you going to pick? I'm going to pick my second round pick, the first pick of the second round, Christian Yelich. This freaking guy, what a bum. He wasn't even top 50 at his position, and he was drafted 13th overall. What a terrible pick. What an awful manager. I mean, the guy who drafted this guy, has to know doesn't know a thing about baseball or fantasy baseball at that. Definitely I feel I feel bad because I picked him <laughs> in another league, and I like I I'm with you. I I think I said it earlier in the year. Like if there's a Mount Rushmore of players that I absolutely hate, like I just I, I hate them personally. <laughs> probably on Christian Yelich is all foreheads. <laughs> he probably is. <laughs> Zach Allen might be up there for you now. Um. But yeah, I can't hate Zach Allen. Uh, so best free agent waiver ad. We talked about Robbie Ray. Uh, you talked about Cedric Mullins, Nick. We've made an honorable mention to Adam Wainwright. Best draft pick. Uh, Jake and I picked Carlos Rodon. Nick picked Jesse Winker as a kind of like a pivot off of Rodon. Best keeper. We all pretty much agree Corbin Burns was that guy. But Nick did make mention to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the fourth round. Jake made mention to Zach Wheeler in the eighth round. And then worst draft pick. Uh, Jake, did you actually even give us your worst draft pick? Uh, I did not. I'll, I'll okay, get... uh, sorry, sorry. I'm getting too ahead of myself. Who's your worst draft pick? Uh, so I think it's got to be Coach Bellinger. And uh, I know that I was saying earlier, well, there's plenty of time for, turn, for him to turn around when he was playing so badly throughout all that time. Uh, he did not turn it around, not at any point. I think he had like a five-day stretch where he was okay, but I don't think he was started during that five-game stretch. So all he, gave, all he gave anybody this year 
was garbage and uh, frustration. Yeah, so, how do we miss him? He's a bigger bum than Yelich. Yeah, he was absolutely awful this year. He was unstarted. Yeah. Most of the time that he was healthy. Who was worse, Cody Bellinger or Zach Plesac? Probably, I guess, probably Bellinger, right? Because at least Plesac gave you one good start every three and a half weeks. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. know. Both I were very it, bad. Yeah, it's close. Because it's close because I think that Plesac played played a more crucial position, especially since he was kind of drafted to be an SP SP two or SP one. Right. And then uh, I guess to recap, since Jake finally, since I finally let Jake give us his worst draft pick, we chose Zach Plezak, Christian Yelich, and Cody Bellinger. All uh, all second round picks, right? Yeah, I think so. I know Yelich and Plezak were drafted in the second round. I wasn't, couldn't remember about Cody Bellinger. I can't remember. I know he was. I can't remember if he was drafted in the first or the second because Lindor was the other pick in that pairing. So I don't remember who which order they were drafted in. I think That's actually a brutal start. I feel like Bellinger was around one pick. Yeah. Like, I think he was probably, one. he was probably one. That's a brutal for one, two punch Bellinger and Lindor for 2021. Yeah. Eddie drafted him with his first pick, pick 11 in round one. That's yeah, a brutal string of picks. Honestly, uh, three, uh, three of four picks in a row were Bellinger, Yelich, Harper was awesome, but then, uh, Francisco Lindor. That's that's just a brutal turn at the end of the first round this past year. Maybe it's just the keeper draft, but I feel like that's not always the case. Where like I, I feel like that's definitely newer. Where we have that many uh, first two round picks that just absolutely bottomed out. I mean, those three guys were what? what who was it? Bellinger, Yelich, and Lindor. You're pointing at those three on the four. Yep. On the time, I mean, those were Eddie and I drafting. Not to say that those guys weren't expected to do better, but I don't know about Eddie, but I knew I knew nothing. And I know I've said this before, but I knew nothing about fantasy baseball to draft. I mean, they weren't bad picks on right. draft. Yeah, like that's that's about where I had like I didn't even if I didn't have them at the turn, like I still probably had them as top two round picks. Like I actually I, I know I had them both as top two round picks. Yeah. Yeah, so just a little bit of uh, bad luck, but yeah. that's your player award segment. So with that, we will move to the second part of our season review. Uh, we're going to actually look at the bold predictions that Jake and I made at the very beginning of the season and the ones that Jerwin made midway through the year when he came on the podcast and, and hit us with Jerry's hot takes. But we're going to start with the ones that Jake and I laid out in the very first two episodes of the season. So we're going to list off those predictions that we made, provide a little bit of context as to how they played out, and we're going to ask Nick to let us know if those were a hit, a miss, or a push. So we will start with the player predictions. And the first one was, give us a player drafted outside the first three rounds that is most likely to return first-round value this year. We've already touched on this guy, but my pick for this was Zach Plesak, who actually did not end up getting taken outside the first three rounds, and I think maybe my call here influenced that, unfortunately for Brendan, because <laughs> Zach Plesak finished the year as the number 85 starting pitcher, the number 117 pitcher overall, and the number 286th player overall. So he certainly did not finish um, 
as a first round value player in the top 12 overall. Just missed it. Yeah, just missed. Jake picked Jordan Alvarez, who was certainly a better pick. He finished the year as the number nine overall left fielder, the number 41 overall hitter, the number 63 overall player. So, Nick, uh, did I hit, miss, or push with my call of Zach, please, Zach? Obvious uh, big miss, of course. Okay, and how about Jake with Jordan Alvarez? I want to say close to a push, but I'm still going to say miss, but not by much. I mean, you still have to be fairly happy, but not quite a first-round value. That's hard to hard prediction to make. Sure. Uh, the second prediction that we made was give us a player drafted inside the first two rounds who is most likely to finish the season outside the top 100 players. My pick for this was Max Scherzer, who finished as the number two overall starting pitcher, the number two overall pitcher, period, and the number three overall player. Jake, on the other hand, picked Clayton Kershaw. Um, and to, to be fair to my pick, Jake was also thinking Max Scherzer pivoted off when I chose him. He picked Kershaw, who ended up being a, a much better pick than mine, because Kershaw finished the year as the number 47 starting pitcher, the number 62 pitcher overall, and the number 176 player overall. So, Nick, did I hit, miss, or push with uh, Colin Max Scherzer a bust? Mm, you missed. Strike two, Nate. <laughs> and did Jake hit, miss, or push with his call of Clayton Kershaw? Jake hit this one out of the park. Yes, he did. Uh, it it didn't happen quite the way I thought it was going to. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, you, were, you were thinking of uh, the back injury. He actually just yeah. ended up going down with the forearm. Yeah, the wrong, the wrong body part got injured there. But hey, I'll take it. Yeah. Our next one is give me a bold prediction for a hitter. I said J.D. Martinez will be drafted in the first five rounds of our draft and then will be subsequently dropped uh, later in the season at some point. J.D. Martinez, in reality, finished as the number seven overall left fielder, the number 37 overall hitter, and the number 58 player overall. And not only was he not dropped, but he was actually drafted way later than I predicted with J.C. taking him in the fifth round. And then Jake's bold prediction for a hitter was that Cabrian Hayes will outperform Nolan Arenado this season. And where they actually finished was... Hayes was the number 45 third baseman. He was the number 197 overall hitter and the number 350 overall player. And then Arenado, on the other hand, was the number five third baseman, the number 21 hitter, and the number 33 overall player. So, Nick, did I hit with my prediction on J.D. Martinez? Did I miss or did I push? Uh, you missed. That's strike three, Nate. Yeah, tough, tough uh, section for me so far with the player predictions. Did Jake hit, miss, or push with saying that Cabrian Hayes would outperform Nolan Arenado? Well, Jake hit the last one out of the park, so back up to the plate, strike one. <laughs> if there was such you thing know, as know. striking out out of the park, swinging, <laughs> missing, letting go of your bat, and the bat sails out of the park, I think this one would be it. You know, yeah, what a disappointment. Say, if you erase the last digit on each of the numbers where 
was. <laughs> this prediction doesn't look that bad. No, it wouldn't. They would look really close. Uh, this is where it starts to get better for me from this point forward. All right. So I've, I've already struck out with my three strikes, but it starts to look better for me at this point. Bold prediction for a pitcher. I said Aaron Savale will receive an AL Cy Young vote this season. The season line that he finished with was a 384 ERA, a 1.118 whip, 124 point, or I should say 124 and a third innings pitched, 99 strikeouts, a 12 and 5 record, and nine quality starts across 21 total games started. And then Jake's bold prediction was that Tarek Skubal would be a top 25 pitcher on a points per game basis this season. He ended up finishing as the number 109 starting pitcher on a points-per-game basis this season. So, Nick, did I hit, miss, or push uh, with the Aaron Savale prediction? I'm going to call this a push. That's what I was hoping for. I, didn't, I knew it wasn't a hit. I was just hoping for the push. Jake, on the other hand, did he hit, miss, or push on Tarek Skubal? No, that's a big miss. Uh, Strike two for Jake. I thought I was going to get a push on this one. I was only, uh, <laughs> I was only eighty four slots away. I thought I was. I thought I was in the ballpark. Yeah. So let's let's transition to our team predictions. And Jake, when when we get to yours, I'm actually going to have you read them off this time. It's probably what I should have just had you done in this in the first place. But my team predictions this year were one that Brendan would miss playoffs for the first time in league history. And hey, he did miss playoffs. So I'll save you the oxygen, Nick. I hit there. <laughs> My second one was that either JC or Mike, those were two teams that I loved coming out of the draft, will make their first ever championship appearance. And Mike indeed made his first ever championship appearance while JC took a first round loss to the eventual league champion, uh, you, Nick. So can't really, uh, can't really fault JC there. I was excited about his team. But Mike got there, made the prediction come true, made made the hit come true. JC ran into a, a freight train in your team, Nick. Jake, yeah, well, I have to say, JC at one point early on the matchup had, I believe, somewhere between an eighty to a hundred point lead, roughly there. But it was about midway to late uh, in the first week of the matchup. But that that was the one matchup of all the matchups I had in the playoffs where I <laughs> wasn't sure what the heck was going to happen. I thought I was about to get taken out the first round. Yeah, that would have been something. Jake, hit us with your team predictions. All right, so my first one was that JC will finish with the best pitching staff in the league. Uh, he finished with the third pitching staff in the league. Uh, before I go to that next one, because it's a longer one, Nick, what's the call on this on this pick? Repeat that. I like lost my mark on the page. <laughs> uh, JC, no, will finish with, JC will finish with the best oh. pitching staff in the league. I'll, I'll say that's third. a push. Yeah, I'll say that's a push. I think that's okay, a fair call. This is the longer one. Nick will clean up the National League awards with the NL Cy Young, the NL MVP, and the NL Rookie of the Year all residing on his team. Uh, the current front runners, uh, Juan Soto and Bryce Harper, for the MVP for Cy Young. It's probably it's going to be Corbin Burns or Max Scherzer, uh, and then for Rookie of the Year, it's probably Jonathan India or Trevor Rogers. But I will say that uh, I was when I originally a lot of these guys that I was thinking would be uh, eligible for this award on Nick's team when I made this prediction, 
uh, got traded off of Nick's team. <laughs> it's not one of these guys that you mentioned, but yeah, it's uh, fair. To, it's fair to point out. And I did throw in some context that Bryce Harper, who's a current NL MVP front runner, he was drafted by Nick. That wasn't a bad call. Yeah, I was uh, thinking like Harper or Yelich for uh, MVP. Uh, for Cy Young, I was thinking that he had uh, um, Castillo, and also he also had uh, Luis or not Luis Arias, uh, Julio Arias, who who might get some down ballot votes. And then the rookie of the year, I was actually thinking my my boy from last year, Ian Anderson. I think you were also thinking Cabrian Hayes. Maybe was that trade that early before we did that episode? I don't. I don't maybe. think. I don't know. It wasn't a bad. Bold, I like the bold prediction, and he did end up with Trevor Rogers, who is probably not going to win Rookie of the Year, but he's probably going to finish in second place for that. Um, and Jonathan India, who yeah. did spend a large portion of the season on your team, Nick, is yeah, the guy that's I probably going to win. Dropping him in the in the playoffs, so I had him for a long, long part of the season. I was the first guy to add Jonathan India. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you also, uh, you're, you're also first on Trevor Rogers. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, Nick, who had the better season overall as far as the bold predictions go? I think Jake cleaned me up in player predictions. I think I cleaned him up in team predictions. But who are you going to give the overall nod of approval, the overall stamp of hit to out of the two of us? Uh, here, I think I have to go with Nate. I mean, uh, you hit, you hit yes. both of them. So. Well, no, no, Jake, no. I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying team, team plus players. Oh, t- team plus players. Yeah, yeah. got to mix it all together. Oh, uh, that makes it hard. Then, then uh, I think I slightly lean Jake. Uh, I know that second Ooh. one in his in his team predictions was pretty long, so it made it pretty risky. Uh, bull prediction there. He had to kind of hit all ends of it to really hit hit home. Um, yeah, it was pretty close overall. A mixed season for bold predictions, which is, I guess, the best That's that you good. can hope for. If you're doing yeah, so, actually so the takeaway, the takeaway from this has got to be listen to you on the team predictions and listen to me on the player predictions. Sure. There you go. Unless you're talking about third baseman, then don't listen. Yeah, to or you. or uh, rookie starting pitchers. Right. So we promised that we would actually give you Jerwin's hot takes and kind of look back at those as well. Jake is going to go ahead and read them off and we'll do the same thing. Nick will let you know after each one of them if it was a hit, a miss or a push. Right, well, this first one is an easy miss. The Deemer dynasty will continue, and we will see another duel of the Deemers in the championship round of the playoffs. That did not happen. Uh, so I'd say that's a miss. Uh, and this next one is an interesting one. JC will get hit by an MLB crackdown on foreign substances in which he loses Trevor Bauer to suspension. That's an interesting one. Nick, all that. <laughs> Uh, did you ask for my, sorry, I'm listening to my daughter just stampeding through the hall. Uh, did you want me to say pusher? What, what's well, we didn't want you one? to say anything in particular other than your opinion <laughs> is, was it a hit, a miss or a push? <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> well, are we talking about Trevor Bauer, who we're talking about Jerwin called a suspension for foreign substances. Right. I mean, there was some hitting, I guess, in the altercation, was there or some? Okay. All right. <laughs> I'll, stop all right. I'll stop there. <laughs> Uh, I would say, I mean, that's more of a hit. I mean, he called out the player and said that he'd be taken out of JC's lineup for majority of the year, if not the whole season, but not the way he predicted. So I guess that's more of a push, but 
I say you get partial credit. I would say that's a hit. JC is probably the only person that would say it's a miss. <laughs> I, all I'm saying is he doesn't have the, the yellow flag on fan tracks, so he's technically not suspended. True. Uh, yeah. Might right, as well be, though. Is, the next uh, hot take was early season trades have given high expectations to Nate's team, but maybe they're not the juggernaut everyone sees them as. Uh, Jerowin's take was that Nate's team will end up fighting for a wild card spot and see a first round exit in the playoffs. I have to say he hit here, but he didn't hit on Nate and had to struggle for a wild card spot because Nate cruised into the playoffs, but he did take an early first round loss, unfortunately. Is, is, that, a, is that a hit or a push? I mean, technically you could call it a push, but I mean, I'm going to call it a hit. That was, he called it – well, no, I'm going to say it's a push because everyone did see Nate's team as a, the big favorite heading into the playoffs. So I think he was still seen as a juggernaut team but then had that early round exit. So I'll, I'll say it's a push. That might even right, be so more this... reason for you to call it a hit because that's what Jaron said, <laughs> that I'd be a juggernaut. <laughs> All right, whatever. Hit it. <laughs> <laughs> this next one, uh, Nick sees continued success from his team of unlikely heroes and passes not only J.C., but Jake also in the standings by season's end. I mean, technically I mean, he did pass you in the yeah, standings. We are in the se- we are at the end of the season, and he is ahead of me in the standings. He yeah. did pass. I did have unlikely heroes. Yeah, Ranger Suarez. Wire, Ranger Suarez. Suarez yeah. Webb, Adam Wainwright. I mean, those are three of my top pitchers all from the waiver wire. So where are you landing with this one? Hit, miss, or push? That's a big hit. All right, this one is a hit just because we, we know it happened. Uh, Mike will pay more money in trade fees than the league dues by the trade deadline. That was an easy call. Easy call. That one wasn't even a bold prediction, really. Jaren's doing (laughs) good with his bold predictions. That's because they're not that bold. (laughs) Uh, Brennan, his next one was... uh, Three-way championship. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Brennan has received much praise on the podcast and is certainly well-deserved. Uh, this year, he will make it to the championship off the back of a phenomenal managerial performance. So, Jerowin was predicting a, uh, a triple threat match for the, the league. <laughs> <laughs> he missed there. Yeah. I, I don't know. That one. Uh, I don't think that he looked at his other predictions. I think he was just running out of content <laughs> at that point. <laughs> All right. So, this one was for Jordan's team. Uh, this would be that Dylan Bundy would be a drop by the trade deadline this season. But then he also followed up with, other than Jordan's stubbornness, why would he not free up that bench spot to, to let a real pitcher take, the, take that spot? Yeah, he nailed that. What a bone. Yeah, Dylan Bundy kind of reverted back to, like, he was who we thought that, they, who he, who we thought that he was. Sort of I still thing. have Bundy and Plezak in the Dynasty League, so you guys better cool it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> My picture of Bundy, I, I don't know if you recall it. I saw it live when he threw up on the mound. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that happening. Oh, I, remember, I remember seeing videos of it. I, the oh. only guy I remember puking on the mound was Adrian Hauser, and he did it more than once. It was so poetic because Dylan Bundy threw up on the, on the mound, got removed from the start, and then got moved to the bullpen. <laughs> <laughs> What a sequence of events for Dylan Bundy. Um, all right, this next one uh, says, as we know, Sam sold his team, 
but this week he went 2-0 with his old players. Sam, his take, the bold prediction was Sam will swindle a wild card spot from a team who had a slower start with a late season keeper fueled push. Well, this obviously he struck gold here, hit a grand slam with this prediction. Yeah, that is exactly what happened. Uh, The next one is with the old attitude gone, positive vibes reigning supreme. Team positivity is now in position to claim a top three spot in the division and avoid the wild card altogether. Uh, did he take a top three spot or did he get a wild card? He got he wild, a wild card, wild card team. Card. He got a wild card, but I, I, I think this had, this is just my opinion. I think this one's a push just because he did. And if we're going like with the upset, he finished top three. He claimed the top three spot in the league, not just yeah. the division. Yeah. He undersold himself. That is true. Yeah, he should have had more positive thinking. Jeez. <laughs> Maybe that's why Corbin Burns left. Probably. <laughs> yeah, Corbin Burns just was not having it with those, uh, that whole team. This last one we're not going to be able to tell for this season, but uh, this was for Eddie. Team. It says these two teams are sitting at the bottom of the barrel, but in a keeper league, there's always hope. Uh, his take was that Eddie and Scott will manage themselves into playoff spots next season in the year 2022. We'll have to revisit next season. Yeah. To be determined. That was our bold predictions review. And we are going to wrap up our 2021 season review with a segment, you know, short one called Good Gut, Bad Gut. So we'll start with you, Nick. Give me one player you were absolutely right about this season and one player you were dead wrong about. So this was hard for me to do because I didn't come into the season with any strong opinions of any players, whether they're going to be, you know, a big sleeper or not, because I was just I didn't have a baseline of knowledge. Um, but I'll say uh, for absolutely right about I picked Carlos Rodon and it's not because I drafted him where I did and the value I got of, out of him from that. But I remember when he threw a, he threw a complete game uh, through a no hitter or no hitter. Yeah. And it was very early in the season. And I remember instantly, uh, soon after that, you, Nate, like just commented in the group chat jokingly, like he's, he's still a bum. And I remember thinking, I'm going to hold on to him. I want to see what this bum does. <laughs> it was a great and, call. Uh, he was just a guy I got excited about right away uh, more than any other player in my lineup. I mean, when you throw a no hitter, that'll do it for, for an owner. So he was my pick. Okay. I guess we'll wait on the, on the dead wrong. Jake, give me, your, give me the guy that you were absolutely right about. Uh, so it's the one that we've already talked about a little bit, and that was Vlad Guerrero Jr. He was kind of he was sort of a later, uh, kind of a later push up my draft board because originally I uh, like before spring training started, I was looking at his ADP and I was thinking that's way too high. He hasn't really done anything so far, but uh, then he showed up to spring training. Uh, it was it was told we were told that he was in the best shape of his life, but he was kind of actually backing it up, and the uh, the launch angle data was much better on him. And I know that we talked about it earlier in the year, but that was his big problem because he always hit the ball really hard. He was just always sitting on the ground. So uh, I, the reason I'm saying him and not like a later round sleeper is uh, I had to make the decision on whether to use my fourth round pick on him. And at that point I, I had keepers in my first, second, third and fifth round picks. So if I would have used, if I was going to use that pick, I'd, wouldn't have I didn't make a draft pick until the sixth round and uh, I just thought that was a pretty big risk but I felt strongly enough about Vlad and 
his breakout potential. The uh, I went through with it, but I will say he was the second overall player on my uh, on my keeper draft board, and the uh, the guy who was first on that board is the player that I was dead wrong on. So we'll get we'll get to that whenever I they come back to me. Oh, I could spoil it because I know exactly who it is, but I won't. The player that I was absolutely right about is a little bit more boring. It was Lance Lynn. Um, I, w- I thought that he was going to be a fantasy ace based on volume, especially in the aftermath of a weird COVID-shortened season. And he was exactly that. He finished safely in the top 20 overall starting pitchers. I will go ahead and be the first to lead us off. And the player that I was dead wrong about, it was Clint Frazier. I thought this would be the year that he finally broke out after kind of having issues with an opportunity to get consistent playing time with the New York Yankees and them refusing to trade him. I thought this was going to be the year. I thought he's always had talent, and this was going to be the season that all the circumstances aligned for him to deliver on the talent that I thought that he had. Instead, he was completely and totally irrelevant in both real life and in fantasy. Uh, Nick, who were you dead wrong about? Uh, again, this was hard for me to choose just because I didn't have a strong take on anybody, but I remember I ended up choosing, I guess, a boring pick as well. I, I chose Jazz Chisholm because he was somebody that when I added, I was excited about. I thought he could, I don't know, just by watching him literally just play. I wasn't analyzing any data about him other than I guess he could hit the ball hard, but I knew that he could strike out a lot at the same time. But whenever I watched him play, when I was tuning in at the beginning of the year, he just was uh, appealing to watch and just an exciting player. And I remember thinking at one point in the year, like, man, I am holding on to him way too long. Like he's not giving me any value. I don't know why I'm refusing to drop him. And he's just taking up a bench spot and he just ended up wasting space on my roster for, I remember what felt like was way longer than it should have been. Jake. Tell us why you were dead wrong about the guy that I chose in the keeper expansion draft. Yeah. So I was, I was going to go with uh, Tariq Skubal in this spot, but the fact that I had Andrew Vaughn ahead of Vlad Guerrero and would have picked him if you didn't, like I, I felt very strongly about Andrew Vaughn. So I felt like I had to pick this as the player I was dead wrong on just because if I did pick him, that is a huge swing, absolute catastrophe for my team. Uh, when I saw Andrew Vaughn, he'd gotten the, He was going to get the starting role for the White Sox to begin the year. I was having flashbacks to Pete Alonzo and was thinking, oh, this is great. This is going to be a guy who can help replenish my keeper pool because I'm going to have, I had a bunch of guys who were going to uh, run out of eligibility. So I needed to kind of restock. And I thought that this was a guy that could be a kind of a building block for my team going forward. He was not that at all. Uh, He's, he only has a 705 OPS. really struggled all year, only 1.7 points per game. And now towards the end of this year, he's slumping so bad that he's not even starting anymore for the White Sox. He's just a bench guy now for them. And uh, yeah, this could have been, I I thought he was going to be a breakout this year. Uh, He comes with a lot of prospect pedigree. He was drafted really highly for a first baseman, which means that they obviously thought very highly of his bat and that did not play up at all this year. And I got to say, I, it, it wasn't through any fault of my own, but that was just kind of dumb luck that I didn't pick this guy in the uh, in the expansion draft and ended up getting the top overall player instead of this dude. He was my top overall player as well, but obviously I 
unfortunately was able to draft him. <laughs> uh, and I can tell you that I'm confident that he's going to be back in the keeper expansion pool next season because I guarantee you Scott's not going to keep him. So interesting question to consider uh, a breakout after a terrible season for 2022. Jake, why don't you hit us with your standout player of, I'll call it the matchup over these past two weeks. Yeah. So I picked Ranger Suarez and I don't want to, I won't talk about it too much because we've already talked about how great he's been, but just the, uh, he scored 78 and a half points and it's just, wow. This guy came out of nowhere. He was, uh, was a huge part of this championship run not only the championship itself but through the playoffs being able to provide that uh that stable spark role where carlos rodon was starting to was injured suarez stepped right in and was that was the guy that suarez had been all year or uh rodon had been all year so kudos to nick for seeing that and picking him up this is, he was out for the whole year yeah maybe not the whole year for the down the stretch Maybe since everyone's disappointed that we're not getting a tattoo, maybe I'll get a little Ranger Suarez Suarez tattoo for everybody. Yeah, get get the hat that says Ranger on it. Oh, yeah, and he has a little cigar popping out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. do that one. (laughs) So that's Jake's standout player of the week. Matchup preview recap. Uh, So just quickly sharing this note. On the season, Jake and I's matchup prediction records ended up being – uh, for me, 68 and 30, and for Jake, 61 and 37. So I am 1 and 0 against Jake in terms of overall season matchup prediction records. It was pretty close to end the year. I think we both did very well. Let's move into the around the league portion of the podcast, which is going to be very brief this week because we obviously do not have the sports book. Not going to include any news and notes since the season, the regular season is over and the fantasy season is over. So that just leaves uh, Jake's league history fact of the week. Go ahead, Jake. All right. So I, I did two league history facts. The first one was that 2021 marks the first year where we had a hitter finish as the top overall player. Uh, Guerrero Jr. took home the top overall player with 601.8 total points. Uh, which also happens to be the lowest total points for the top overall player that we've ever had. Uh, this was all just a little bonus to this. This was the first time that we only had one player surpass the 600-point mark. Uh, and then our my second league history fact was this was the highest combined score for a championship game in league history with a total of 1,173.8 points scored, and that beat out the next closest championship by 35 points. So really... Uh, outstanding performances by both you guys for this this final week. Yeah, I echo that. And let's uh, one more one more note. Um, I just wanted to say for since we didn't do Jordan's sports book, uh, his final record on his locks this year was sixty six and thirty nine. Pretty darn good. Very similar to our matchup prediction records, which I think were both pretty strong. So well done. And so he Jordan. he stuck to he stuck to his promise, and he did give winners. Yes, he did. Let's wrap up the episode. We still have a few things to get through, but this is all going to kind of be under the umbrella of looking ahead to 2022. And Nick, I'm actually going to let you read off the divisions for next season. All right. Thanks for that honor. The East division will be myself, 
Sam, Jake, JC, Brendan, and Scott, which then leaves the West Division with Mike, Jerowin, Courtney, Nate, Jordan, and Eddie. Exciting. Yeah, I was telling Jake when he first shared the divisions with me that both of those divisions look like absolute gauntlets, which just goes to show that our league has become very competitive over um, this past year especially. Uh, and if you're wondering how we got those divisions, if you refer to our league constitution, they are, for the East Division, we do the number one overall seed, which is we, we're just going based off of final standings, then the four and five, then the eight and nine, and then the 12. And for the West Division, we do the two and the three, the six and the seven, and the 10 and the, the 11. So kind of like a snake style to determine the division. So that is how we landed on the divisions for 2022. Which brings us to our final official segment of the fantasy baseball season. Hopefully for those of you that, are, that have stuck with us through this point in the episode, you're really excited. We're going to do our live draft order drawing. So as a reminder, uh, the odds for the picks are as follows. The ninth through 12th place teams, which were Brendan, Jordan, Eddie, and Scott, all had 7% odds. The fifth place through eighth place teams, which are our playoff teams that did not make it to the semifinals round, were Jake, Courtney, me, JC, we all got 13% odds. And then Sam finished in fourth place. He gets the highest odds with 20%. And then, of course, our top three finishers are picking at the end of the round. Uh, so they are locked in. Nick is picking 12th. Mike is picking 11th. Jerwin is picking 10th. And then I'm going to turn it over to Jake to call out our draft order in inverse order, starting with the ninth pick. All right, so uh, Nate and Nick... And both see the screen and uh, Nate read off the odds. So here we go. With the ninth, the ninth pick goes to Jordan. The eighth pick goes to Scott. The seventh pick goes to Eddie. The sixth pick goes to Courtney. The fifth pick goes to Brendan. The fourth pick goes to JC. The third pick goes Nate. The second pick goes to me. And tanking the champion, the constellation bracket worked. Sam has the first overall pick. There you have it. That is going to be a draft order unlike any we've ever had in league history. Jake, you and I have always picked right up against each other, but it's never been in the top three picks. So I'm not necessarily like, I don't really care where I, I guess where I pick, but I'm excited because I've never picked in the top three of like a redraft or keeper format in a baseball league. So I'm super, super excited about that. Yeah, I'm definitely excited about it too. But I think with all these guys getting put back into the draft pool, like we're going to have Acuna, DeGrom, Cole, all those guys will be back. I think I would have rather picked towards the back, but Hey, this will be a new experience. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to have to map out a ton of players to pick. I'll get to, I just have to pick two and whichever one Sam doesn't choose. I get the other one. Yeah. I guess I have to do the same thing just with one extra guy. 
there's so many great options at the top, which I guess speaks to your point of rather you'd rather be at the back, but I'm excited to be able to for sure get one of the super elite players. Nick, I know this isn't ex- as exciting for you because you already knew where you were picking, but uh, anything to share with the the results of the draft order? Would you pay $25 to move from the 10th spot to the number one spot? Because that's what Sam did. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be worth it to me. I'd rather pick towards, yeah. that, towards that spot. So I'm sure Sam's happy because this is what he wanted. So good for him. Yeah, this is what he was yeah. going for. So I mean, it worked. Yeah, you're, you're right. It worked. I'm excited, though. Third pick. I'll tell you who I'm not taking. Freddie Freeman. (laughs) (laughs) No, Freddie Freeman's a great player, but there's just so much talent at the top for this coming season. I'm excited to get my hands on it. Uh, Anything to share in closing, fellas? Nick, I'll let you go. I'll let you lead off since you're our league champion. Anything to share with the league to close out? Uh, no, just, uh, I've been saying it each time I've been on, thanks to everybody for welcoming myself as well as Eddie's expansion teams. I, like I said, thoroughly enjoyed it. It was very satisfying being able to, uh, have all that work that I, I mean, I know others did as well throughout the season with it being so long, but it was very satisfying to win it, um, putting in a lot of work. Cause I do put in a lot of work, not with the podcast, like these guys, these guys put in way more work and, um, which I'm very grateful for. And I, I hope I can speak for everyone when I say thank you guys for doing this. It really makes the league and uh, the experience that much more fun. Um, but I'll just get into that. I d- definitely put a lot of work to be successful uh, in fantasy sports and baseball definitely required more work than anything else. And uh, it's, it's been fun at the same time. Um, so that's, that's my last two cents. Jake, anything from you to share? Uh, yeah, I guess I'd echo what Nick said. Uh, baseball is definitely I think the most rewarding fantasy sport when you're having success because it's you put in the most time for sure but uh, I definitely enjoyed making the podcast it was sometimes there was a lot of prep work and everything and I know that Nate you tackled most of it so I do appreciate that but uh, it was really nice to get to uh, talk fantasy baseball once a week and uh, just kind of do that for an hour that was that, that was a lot of fun and uh, thanks to Jordan too for putting all the effort into the sports book. I'm um, hoping to expand that a little bit next year, uh, just to be just for everybody to be on the be on the lookout for some stuff. Uh, hopefully, the league history document will be. I'll send that out again. Uh, I'm working on updating it right now. Uh, I added a couple things like we have a we're gonna have a player data database now. I added a seasons database as well of all the head to head records updated and everything. So hopefully everybody can get some enjoyment out of that. Uh, also be on the lookout for an updated league constitution, just as always, uh, that'll probably be closer to spring training, but yeah. Uh, enjoy the off season, everybody. Yeah. And you guys did a great job, uh, pointing out everybody that contributes to, you know, everything that this league has turned into. So I won't try not to echo that too much. Uh, just thankful for everybody that plays their part no matter how small or big into making the league what it is i will share from a personal note for some of you guys that also play fantasy football with us i know you may have you may be aware that i've experienced fantasy burnout lately um but that's i will just point out since we're on the baseball podcast that's really just been i've noticed about myself it's really just been for football there have definitely been 
some higher and lower points throughout the baseball season since it is such a grind. It's such a, a long six-month marathon. And that can s- certainly be tiring, but for as much work as it was to put on this podcast, just like Jake said, it's it's always so much fun to me to come on and get an opportunity to talk about fantasy baseball one time per week. And especially when we've kind of spaced these episodes out over the you know, two weeks between each episode for the playoff run, even though I've been out of the playoffs, it's really, I guess, slowing down a little bit with it has really kind of revitalized my excitement for baseball, especially looking ahead to our 2022 season. And uh, I know we're in the midst of football and I am having fun with that. Like I'm not 0-4 everywhere or anything like that. So that's that doesn't have anything to do with like influencing my opinion, but I think baseball in terms of fantasy is always just going to be my first love. The The past six weeks where we've put out three episodes have kind of revitalized that love for me. I'm excited when we, you know, we're, we're sharing the new divisions with you guys. We're sharing the draft order. It gets me excited for next year. So I think our league is in a great spot. I think uh, the playoffs played out as they should. I don't think anybody got super unlucky. As I said, Nick, totally deserving to be our league champion this year. So I'm just happy um, to have a sport where I can feel really good about the results, where the teams that performed well totally deserved it, um, which is not, I, you know, I, I really enjoy football, but it's not always the case there. And I know I've mentioned that quite a few times, but that's just really why I love baseball so much. And I hope that everyone else has that same passion for baseball, even if it's not necessarily more than football. I hope everyone really enjoys uh the actual sport that we play this game around. So thanks to everybody for sticking with us throughout the, the entire season. I don't know how many people in our league actually listen to, to the episode every single week, but if you do, we really appreciate that. Hope it really added to the experience this year and made the league a lot more fun. That's the, that's the aim, right? Um, and we hope to kind of increase the level of involvement. That, that all of you guys are able to contribute to this as well moving forward. So thanks. We're grateful for it. And we will catch you guys next season. Eert. <laughs>